Uh, g'day and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the name of the podcast and thank you for listening. Uh, it is a bit of an infrequent podcast, but today I'm putting up a couple of new episodes. So this one is with my uh, dear friend Ryan Fitzgerald. Some of you will know Fitzy from the Australian media landscape, but even if you already have an opinion of Fitzy, be it uh, good, bad or indifferent, I, I, I definitely recommend you have a listen to this episode. He's a really great bloke and we get to talk about some really interesting things. And I think uh, whether you're a fan or not, you're going to get a great insight into the man himself and, and what makes him tick. I like him a lot and it was uh, it was a real honour that he took some time out of his busy schedule when he had the radio show here in LA to come over and do the podcast so we could have some beers and a catch up. So... I hope you're going to enjoy this episode and I hope you enjoy the next one as well with uh, the very fabulous Morg Garrett, but uh, I'll talk about more about that one at the on the intro to that one. Hey, if you like this podcast, make sure you rate it on iTunes, um, you sign up and you subscribe so that way you get the episodes whenever I put them up and uh, you leave a comment because all those things help us on the rankings and get the podcast out to more people, so I, I definitely really appreciate that. Uh, if you would like any merchandise from the podcast, uh, James Fosdyke has a Redbubble page, which has uh, posters and art, and I think you can even get mugs and, and all sorts of things from the podcast if you want to support it there. Uh, so check that out, James Fosdyke's Redbubble page. But as as usual, the biggest way to support the podcast is come out and see my shows if I'm in your area, um, or you can, of course, buy my Illuminati DVD, which is available in Australia at the moment in all the different places you buy DVDs or download them from iTunes or Google Play or PlayStation or all these other things they tell me. I don't really understand how it works, but uh, if you find my Illuminati uh, DVD and you would like to support that, that'd be really cool. I'm really proud of that show. Uh, and there is also an extra improvised show on that on that uh, show as well. What you're talking about, Will, from the Sydney Comedy Store. A uh, couple of gigs that are coming up that I want to tell you about. If you happen to be in London in the first two weeks of June, I am doing my free will show at the Soho Theatre there in the West End. Uh, that's always great fun. So uh, those shows do tend to sell out. So please, um, if you want to come and see that, uh, book for that. I am doing the first ever live version of my other podcast, TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P, if you haven't listened to that podcast. Um uh, it is also free and uh, it is a more comedy-based podcast and uh, I'm doing a live version of that on June the 6th at the Soho Theatre, so that one's on sale at the moment. Uh, Felicity Ward is going to be my guest, but there'll be some other guests as well that I'll confirm when I get to London and see who is around. Uh, so two weeks in London doing free will there. Uh, some other big uh, gigs that I just want to tell you about. Uh, July, July the 11th, Saturday night at the Nerd Melt Theatre in Los Angeles. I will be doing my free will show there. Uh, that show is actually free. There will be a sign-up list. You'll have to book a ticket, but the actual uh, show itself is free that night. And then I think it's on July the 26th. Uh, I'll be in Montreal for the whole week of the Montreal Just for Last Comedy Festival doing gigs, but I think on the 26th I'll be doing my solo show Free Will at the Montreal Just for Last. I have a bunch of other gigs as well, but I'll probably try to tell you about those as we get closer to them. But the two major ones for Australia is uh, that my Sydney shows at the Enmore, uh, which I think are August 7th and 8th or 8th and 9th or something like that, are now on sale. And uh, my Perth shows, which I believe are October 9th and 10th or something like that, are now on sale as well. So the Free World Tours, uh, which is the end of the tour, uh, Sydney shows and Perth shows, they are now on sale as well. Okay. I have heaps of other stuff to tell you towards the end of the year, but I don't want to bang too much on it with plugs. I just want you to enjoy this episode. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and I hope you enjoy Fitzy.
Hello and welcome to Willosophy. I am Will Anderson. Uh, I am the host of the podcast and I'm just going to get straight into it today. Uh, so my guest, uh, th- oh, thank you for doing the podcast. No. Uh, secondly, uh, who are you? Uh, Ryan Fitzgerald, um, known as Fitzy. And I'm very excited. I know what you're doing, Anderson, as well. And I know the Bulldogs are playing good footy at the moment. The only reason you've got me on is because they knocked off my beloved Crows. And you're, you're a bit cocky at the moment. But I'm very, very glad to be a part of the podcast. Yeah, in fact, I've flown you to America. <laughs> Just to s- I, rub it in. I'm doing an entire week. People are like, why is he doing so many episodes of philosophy? And hang on, what do they all have in common? And they go to their Wikipedia pages and then they hang on, I can see a pattern here. <laughs> But as soon as the Bulldogs start losing, philosophy's gone. You won't hear from it. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't do a lot of episodes last year. <laughs> For the last few years. <laughs> Firstly, basically what you've got to do is you've got to find out what guest you want on this podcast. Then you've got to see uh, who they barrack for in the AFL. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to check the draw, <laughs> see when the Bulldogs are coming up against them, and then you can see if they will be on the podcast. Well, the Crows started really well until we hit the Bulldogs, which we thought was an easy game, and you flogged us. So... Yeah, I'm. So, uh, you know what the thing about it is that it's interesting to me, and I, and you know we can talk about football because I I like to do that because it is very important to me. Yes, this is the thing that I was I, I I've been watching the NBA basketball uh, finals here at the moment. Yeah, and uh, I really like the NBA basketball, and uh, because the finals are on, and because my team has been in the finals, they're not anymore. But uh, I was watching quite a lot of it, okay. you know, and really getting into it yeah. again. Yeah. But what I realized was when I was in Australia, I didn't really follow it at all because when I'm in Australia. Australia, I can follow so many things about AFL football. Yeah. Like there's, I don't have enough time in my day You're to obsessed. consume all the things. So, and I love all of them. So how do you get your fix here? That's the question though. Well, I mean, you're just on the internet the whole time. There's a lot of a lot of internet. Yeah. I had to stop playing uh, Supercoach. Right, okay. Because it was destroying my it, life. It consumes your whole life. Well, when you're in another country, when yeah. you're on the road, when you're in different time zones, and you, like, you've got to work out, oh, oh, great, I'm in like Scotland. What time do the Thursday night teams come out in Scotland so I know if my guys play? Checking to see if still still side bottoms had another eight tackles, so your super coach has gone up. It's four thirty in the morning. Yeah. I'm in an internet cafe in Alaska <laughs> trying to check. You know, it's too much. That's why I hate it. My wife was the one that said to me, "Get off super coach." Because it's consuming your life. Tips alone are hard enough, but Supercoach just takes it to another level. Plus, uh, my, my team was called Ad Libber uh, because, you know, of comedy, <laughs> but also because uh, t- uh, uh, young uh, uh, Liberatore, who plays Tommy Liberatore, so Tom Liberatore, who's yeah. our best and fairest from last year, yeah. who was injured this year, but that's what they were called, Ad Libber. But he's injured, so I thought, I'll take a year off. <laughs> You know, exactly. That's right. So Ad Libber's no more. But yeah, no. So I uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. There's a lot of footy podcasts you can listen to. So I, I do a lot of that. Um, I illegally you can watch some of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Have you worked that out? Because yeah. I've always wanted to know about that. I was trying to do that for the Pacquiao Mayweather fight. There's no way I was going to pay sixty bucks for that subscription, and I was trying to get it for free on the internet. Mate, if here's the thing, I I tend not try not to steal. I work I work in the creative arts. Yeah, you know, like I don't want people to steal content. They should be paying people for content. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, and like I try to do some things for free, and people yep. who listen to the podcast know it's a free podcast, so they support you when you're doing a show or whatever. That's right. right. It's a nice kind of reciprocal relationship, yep. and I am fine with that sort of thing. <laughs> anyway, what was my point? What was my point? <laughs> um, so. 
the Bulldogs. Well, um, I've just downloaded. Oh, the, okay, the so yeah. this is what I was going to say. Uh, I said, well, here's a good example. My DVD with Illuminati came out in Australia. Yes. I would like if people bought that. That right. would be great. Yes. If you could, that would be fantastic. Well, I just downloaded off Vuz, so I'm, I apologise for that, Will. But here's what I would say. If you're in another country where it's not available... <laughs> you can do what you want. Do what you want. Yeah, exactly. Like, I honestly believe that. Yeah. Like, if you really want to watch it and you're in Holland or whatever... Yeah, or Kazakhstan. You, yeah. You know, that, that DVD is massive there because right. people are illegally downloading it. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind if... <laughs> I had 20,000 illegal Kazakhstanis <laughs> downloading my DVD. Everyone knows your Tony Abbott jokes uh, over there. You, they're massive over there. Yeah, I become massive in yeah. Kazakhstan. <laughs> I changed my name to Kazakhstando. <laughs> and I get to Kazakhstan up. It's well, a whole you, new thing. Because with your show names, and obviously Will is integrated into all of them, have you done it with countries before Will? Can you give me some examples? Oh, okay. I don't think that I have, but I do think about it a little bit while I'm here. So okay. I, I think that I could do things like Beverly Wills. Yes, brilliant. Right. Okay. Um, um, I could maybe do uh, – oh, there's like a, a store here called Walmart. I yes. could do like Wilmart. Yes. Willif- Willif- Willadelphia. Willadelphia. There you okay. go. There you go. That's yeah, pretty good. That's Willadelphia. not bad. That's, yeah, okay. That's, that's not bad. That's a pretty good – Willanoid. Willanoid. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> No, no. Okay, so this is the point I was trying to make to you, which was this. Is if I could buy AFL 360 here, yeah. I would happily purchase that thing. Okay. But I can't, yeah. so I don't feel bad about stealing it from the internet. Yeah, fair, fair enough. And it turns out there is a place on the internet where you can watch AFL 360. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only person in the world that is downloading illegally Mark Robinson onto your television Mate, screen. I was sitting by a pool... <laughs> In the middle of the desert near San Jose, watching AFL 360. (laughs) (laughs) That is really sad. Right, okay. I want to talk to you about footy, but let's talk about a whole bunch of different things. Uh, I I like to start with the philosophy. Now, you don't have to have one, but I just like to ask people if they have a philosophy and then, you know, we can kind of talk about that as we talk about the other things. But. But you don't have to have one and, and often, you know, uh, but do you have one? Okay, my, mine's question. pretty basic and I don't want to sound boring, Will, but... Um, Mate, you won't sound boring. Okay, it's, it's... And if you are boring, I'll cut it out. And look, I'm very proud of where I've come from and basically my old man just drilled into me my whole life is never forget where you came from. And I think for me, it's, um, it's a rule that I've always applied to everything that I do in life, especially with radio and television is relatability you know what i mean and 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 keeping that i've moved i grew up in adelaide and moved now to sydney but i've still kept my close bunch of mates and very close to my family in adelaide and i think that's always i think if i ever try try to change who i am people won't enjoy what i do anymore so it's just basically remembering where i came from and we never had you know we were lower class I mean, we lived in a house that got broken into three times in a month and, you know, we did it pretty hard, but I love that. You know what I mean? It's like that country life that you had growing up and it's been such a pivotal part in your routine for so long. I think it's really, really important to always remember where you came from. Okay, so let's uh, find out where you came from. Uh, We can skip forward, like, I mean, we don't have to start, you know, out of the end of your dad's cock. Like, (laughs) we don't have to go back that far, right? (laughs) If that, if that I was don't your, want to go back that yeah, far. If when that I was, was your philosophy, remember where you came from. If that, if your dad said that to you constantly, <laughs> like he was actually a really terrible dad, just pointing just like, to his bullsack, yeah. going, <laughs> he just said, "Hey son, 
never forget where you came from and then just points at the end of his cock and mum mum's just next to her just next to him just smiling going yeah that was a good night i don't want to hear that i don't want to hear that uh, no, so uh, t- tell me, uh, what did your parents do? What's the origin story? Mate, it's a lovely story. I love this story. My mum was a full country girl, lived in the middle of nowhere, three hours out of Adelaide in the Riverland in a place called Berry. Uh, grew grapes, oranges on the farm. Dad uh, finished his footy career, had knee problems and went and coached all around South Australia and got paid good money. He was a really good coach, my old man. He, he coached quite a few premierships. What was and his uh, coaching philosophy? He... Uh, his big one was dad always had this that's a good that's a good question this always sticks up in my mind he was always he was big on you are a small cog in a large machine and without uh-huh. that cog the machine ceases to function that's that is a good bit of wisdom I remember that I should have got him on the podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well he's just over there pointing to his balls <laughs> He goes to all your public engagements and just like if you do a good job he's like he came out of here and if you don't do a good job, he's like, I'm ashamed <laughs> to say that you came out of here. Get back in there. Um, no, I, 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 that's interesting. So let's pause on that for just for a second yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently as a kind of like uh, is that we have to, I think, remember. I think that too often in our society we're obsessed by where the greatest that we're ever going to be. Yeah, exactly. Right? I was telling you about something. Okay, this is... I was telling you about something today on your radio show yep. uh, where I like to go to a place called the Griffith Park Observatory and they do this history of the universe sort of thing where they project on the... And one of the things I love about it is mm. that they it, it reminds you that even science gets things wrong and often as a like world we can go a thousand years and all believe something to be true that is later proved to not be true exactly there were things 50 years ago that people thought that we don't believe today in fact are ridiculous compared to so if you understand that if you take a step back and think about that what you realize is there are also things that we honestly believe right now and that we think are true or that we think are the right way to do things that 50 years from now they're going to be looking back at us like and it's interesting to me to think what are those things yes but it's also interesting because i think we often act like we are the end of like we are the highest point that our evolution will get to. That's Whereas right. what we need to remember is we are but a tiny cog on that massive wheel that is humankind and it is whatever we are, whether we are put here by a god or we're an explosion in the corner of the universe and completely random. Yep. The one thing that we've learned, the one the reason we survived is not because of one person. Exactly right. Never. Yeah, you're so right. You are so right. And it's stuck in my mind. It's little things like that, I mean, with parenting and that growing up. And my old man, he was old school, old school generation, come from hard knocks. But he. So, always, what, so what did he do as a job? So dad was a sparky. Uh-huh. Um, he was an electrician um, and worked his ass off. Like my mum and dad didn't pay off their first house until they were 55, you know, but never complained. This was the life that we had. We were always happy, you know what I mean? But, you know, dad was hard. He was, you know, if we did something wrong, he'd give you a good belting and it, he was just that old school. But How uh, many kids? Uh, just two. It was uh, my sister and I and she's five years younger than me. Holly. Okay. Um, but, you know, it was hard. But, you know what, I, I love my dad to death and it's those little things that when you're a teenager you go, you're being such a prick. But now I think to myself, these are so many parenting tips now that I'm giving to my boys that I've got from my old man. 
It's little things like that that you remember, which is unbelievable. I mean, when you take any time to reflect on you, like how selfish you are, like even a good kid. Like yes. I, I think that I was probably a pretty good kid, yeah. mostly. Yeah. But even I as a good kid was a terrible kid <laughs> exactly. because kids are terrible. Yeah. And how do you as an adult not just – I mean, it's an amazing thing really. Well, it's, But see, Will, here's a – okay, I've also learned so much from my father, which I appreciate, but there's so many things that I didn't. And when I talk that he's old school generation, I spoke about this in my wedding speech to my beautiful wife, Belinda, but I just thanked dad. And I remember three things that dad used to teach us when we were kids was number one, never be a big head. Um, Number two, and this was the old school generation. This is the way that they were, was always stay away from poofs. You know, that was his thing as a kid. You know what I mean? My dad's embarrassed when I bring that up now. And even he knows, he looks back at his life. And, you know, to have that mentality, he hates it. And the other one was... But that's a classic example of what I'm talking about. There are things that we say now yes or do now yeah that like five years from now or 10 years from now or whatever from now yeah if people look back on them out of context you'll go oh that's pretty old school exactly but i mean the way that we use language yeah there would be things i've said about uh like uh, transgender like in the yes. past like I, I mean i don't know anything specifically exactly. but i've bet i've made like you know jokes or well, comments right. or whatever that i didn't understand like you know yeah, the it's, it's Bruce Jenner is the prime example at the moment. You that's know a, what that's I mean? a really good example. It is a minefield at the moment. You know what I mean? And and look, we you know, you've and hit, that's just changed, it, which exactly. is and I think which is by great. the way, in a great way. Yes, like I think it's been great that we've all suddenly gone because it was open slather. two years ago. Yeah. Bruce Jenner goes through that, and it it he would have just been slayed. a completely different world. Absolutely slayed. It is now. You know what? And it's like. Award shows here in America, there's been, I think it was Jamie Foxx or it was an LL Cool J or someone made a joke about Bruce Jenner and it got absolutely smashed on social media, which is great. I reckon it's great to be in a world like that now. Where back in the, like, like I said, it was open slather. And for six months and for the next year, they just got smashed, smashed with, with jokes and comedians right. just went mental with it. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I, there, there would have been jokes that yeah. I definitely, there would have been jokes that I made yeah. about, so, oh, here's a good example, um, Ian Thorpe being gay. Yes. I remember this. Right? I remember you this. You know, that, definitely, because, mm. you know, at the time, you were like, oh, Ian Thorpe's definitely gay, what and why won't he say that he's gay? Like, obviously, now as you get older, you understand more about the world and you understand what a struggle that could be for someone in that position to be yeah. going through that at that age yeah. and, and not knowing themselves and whatever. Like, you were like, oh, I wish I hadn't been, like, I hadn't been part of the people it's, putting extra pressure on this person going through I, this I, terrible... I, 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 I know, exactly. Right. And, when, and, you know, when Thorpey came out, it was a really positive thing. Right. It wasn't like we were surprised. No. But it was great and it was really well received. And you think to yourself, why didn't he do it earlier? I, Look, right, but also it maybe says that the world is changing rapidly when it comes to some things like that. Which is brilliant. Which is brilliant. It's brilliant to be able to feel that change. And it's good to know that our kids now, I mean, your old man would have been the same being a country boy. Like my, oh. my dad, and I, and I talk about the homosexual thing when he was younger. Now when I bring it, because I've spoken to my dad about it and he just, he knows. He, I look, he looks me in the eye and goes, you know what, I look back and I go, fuck what, what the fuck were we doing? You know what I mean? He's really, really embarrassed about it. I've just got to tell you, though, because it was, don't be a big head, stay away from poofs. And he said, no one likes 
No one likes cops. They were the three things that my old man used to say to me growing up. So right. at my wedding speech, I said, you should have seen my old man's face when I was bragging to my mates when that cop pulled me over and I was giving him a blowy. Right. <laughs> and he just went into meltdown. But it's so funny to see from generation to generation that what you're teaching your kids, and I think our kids, I think they're going to be in a good stead, Will. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, okay. Well, that's an interesting... Yep. Okay, so I, I definitely want to get to that as well. But let's uh, find out more about like what growing up was like. And, uh, you know, I, like, did your dad ever coach you? Yes. Um, and that was one of the... That's one thing that I've said to myself I will never, ever do is teach... Interesting. Is coach my boys. <laughs> I was about to say, never, never do is teach my children anything. <laughs> You learn for yourselves, boys. I'm just pointing to my balls. Mate, your, dad, your, yeah, your dad's in radio. I'll be over here in the corner counting my money and pointing at the hole in my cock. So dad was my coach for my whole junior career and I absolutely hated it. Um, the, here's a prime example. Under 14s. To, when I was younger, I was never really... I didn't mature till I was about 16, 17, so I was a shit footballer. Okay, interesting. And under 14s. So By the way, I was the opposite to you. We're like opposites. <laughs> I was Because I was this high yes. when I was 12. Dominating. So I dominated. Yep. Like I played like high state level football. Like and I was a dominator. And then, and then everyone else got passion. big. I was like, I didn't learn skills. I was just bigger. Yeah. But see, I was, I didn't mature till later. So under 14s, here's a prime example. My old man at the best and fairest gets up and does this huge long speech about the coach's trophy, about this young guy who's always at training early. He's always trying his ass off. You know, he's not the best players, but he's always, he's got the passion there and he wants to win every single week. And he gives coach's trophy to his son. And the reason why I'm fucking at training early is because I'm getting a lift with you, you idiot. So I'm getting up there and you could just hear a collective groan from the audience. The first to get here. He is the last to leave. (laughs) I literally (laughs) get in the car first. Just so he is the last leave. And I get home and he's still there. He's still there. I've left him a couple of times. Sometimes I forget. Oh, so that was my dad. It was all... My dad lived... His career, when his career was over, he went into coaching and when that finished, it was my career and footy was his whole life. So when I broke down and had three knee reconstructions, I remember my last knee reconstruction, I rang my dad, Will, and he was crying his eyes out because he just knew that that was not just my career, but that was his footy career over as well. He was really shattered. It's interesting. My dad uh, never put any my dad was a gun sports player so he's been a farmer all his life and he was a gun sports player both cricket and football but particularly cricket like i probably in a different life you know these days you know could have played at least state level cricket you know you know who knows what else like he was a very good cricketer cricketer. and ended up playing forever one of those guys who you know was still playing high grade local cricket at 55 or whatever you know know, like the elbow i wouldn't have i wouldn't have wanted the uh spin doctors to look at whether the elbow was bent at the 15% anymore there was a few years where the elbow was barely getting above the shoulder but... he needed a runner to come out for him while he was batting because he was too old but it meant that we got to play together and stuff like yeah. that Yeah. but in retrospect the thing that I think about and, I, and I'm conflicted about how I feel about this because my dad coached all like junior teams and stuff and he was a great coach yeah. and I enjoy being coached by my dad because I never felt like and the other kids really liked him yeah. like he was he, he's the sort of guy, my dad doesn't swear, he doesn't drink. No. 
and he was he was no nonsense, but no one ever thought he was like uncool or whatever because he's not preachy. He's yes. like one of those guys, and so he was just people knew that you didn't swear around him yeah. and that yeah. sort of stuff. And yeah. and some kids had like some rough kids had some real respect for him. Yeah, but I feel like he kind of left me to do my own thing. Yes, and I in retrospect, yeah. But most of that's good. Yeah. And there's a part of me that kind of wishes that, like, because he was a gun. Yeah, you wanted that direction. Like, uh, maybe, that, uh, yeah, what yeah. if he, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying he didn't put in any of that work, yeah. but I'm just saying that I think in retrospect, he was probably trying to not give me special attention or whatever, where I'm like, you know what? You've got to give me some special. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean. You, you're very good at what you do. Teach right. me, Dad. I want to be like that. Yeah, I was being pretty good at footy by myself, but I was being pretty shit at cricket. Yeah. I could have really done with some or, all right, here you go, Will. This is something that I remembered that was told to me recently by one of the greatest footballers of all time, Michael Voss. Uh-huh. He, he, I did a TV show with him, The Recruit. Vossi said, because I said to Vossi, Vossi's got a young son who's about nine or ten, and I had a good chat to Vossi about his son playing football and quizzed him about, you know, is, is your son a gun? Is he going to be good? And Vossi said he is good. And I said, mate, do you go out there and do you coach? Or like, do you get involved? And this really stuck with me. And he said, Fitzy, you know what? What my philosophy is, is I'm a dad first and I'm a coach second. If you if he wants to come to me and ask for advice about my career or anything, I'll give it to him, but I'm not going to push him. And it really, that really stuck out. Vossi reckons he goes to some of his kids' games sometime and the opposition coach will come up to Vossi in the crowd and go, can you come and talk to my boys at halftime? Right. And he goes, look... I just I'm I'm here as a dad. I'm not here as a footballer. I just got to apologise. I can't do it. And I really like that. I, I I thought to myself, you know what? With my boys, I'm going to be a dad first and a coach second. I mean, I think that is a really good perspective. Yeah, because it's one of those things where you're like, well, what do you what do you? Because it's I always think about it in relation to. Yeah, would you want your kids to follow? Because football is a good example. Yeah, I think AFL more than any other sport in the world has a rich history of fathers and sons. In fact, of the top five the players best. ever to play the game, two of them are like a father and son. But uh, like exactly. across the competition, there is there's an amazing like you know record of fathers and sons. And so I think about that quite a lot. Why is that? Now I think a couple of reasons. Firstly, the support has a fa- the sport has a father and son rule. Yes. So they have a respect for it, yep. and there is a tradition of it. Secondly, I think it's an indigenous to an Australian game. Yep. It's the game that most people in those areas play. And so chances are if you are going to be a like top-level professional sports person in Australia, you will play AFL if you have any into that. Exactly. And see, I think literally you just have access to better coaching at an earlier age. Yeah, that's right. Because your parents know what they're talking about. <laughs> so you don't have some shit kick by the time that you're like – like Levi Casbolt, who plays for Carlton, who like is a gun mark, but like, like he's like he's scared of his foot, like he because he, like he has the, he drops the ball so so from so far away from his foot, it's like that he can't he's scared of his own. It was foot. like Richo lining up for goal, and Richo's one of the greatest centre half forwards of all time. But when he was having a shot from fifty, you're always waiting for it to be sprayed off the side of his boot. It, it, but it, so the thing that I try to think about is like, would you? want your kids to, you know, follow in your footsteps. Like, I mean, it's going to be hard for, you know, people to to do what you did, you know. Exactly. Oh, look, I'd love to, you know. Like, I'm, I'm so lucky that I've been given two boys, you know. I, I've always wanted to have a little footballer and watch his career growing up, and I, I love that about my, my dad, you know. Our weekends revolved around sport the whole time, and, 
and it was a good life. Um, like I said, you know, we we didn't have much coin, but you know, the sport was everything to us. Every single weekend, we, it was either footy, cricket, basketball, little athletics, nippers down at the Port Nalunga Life Saving Club, and it's, it was our whole lives. I love that life. I, I want that life. I want my kids to have that. You know, one day because that's interesting as well, isn't it? When you think when you because I that's a, where you're like. Not only do I like that I had it, yes, but I would like for my children exactly. to have it. Bloody oath. And I think sometimes people don't step back to that. Exactly. You get more because you're doing very well. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, part I'm, of part of the lifestyle of the way you grew up was out of necessity that that was the best way that you could enjoy yourselves with the like you know funds and lifestyle and like you know what it, work commitments and whatever that your family had. Yeah. You have different circumstances, yeah. but there's still part of that that you want to recapture. Well, and like I said to you before, Will, I think that's why I am relatable to people. You know what I mean? And mate, I'm ne- I've always I've never been afraid to to have that bogan tag with me. And I think that's why I'm doing breakfast radio in Sydney and a majority of the people that listen to our show, our big fans are from Western Sydney. But I love that. I love going out there. I love doing shows out there. And because they are, they're, they're your diehards. You'd know about it with the Western Bulldogs. You know what I mean? Like those fans, they are diehard fans. I love those fans. The Bulldogs have never, the, over the last few years, haven't had success, but they go to every losing game and they're still supporting their team. That's passion. Uh, tell me this. How aware are you of feedback about, you know, like labels or whatever that, you know, because you, you brought up the fact that, like, you know, people will say you're this bogan guy or whatever, which is actually... Weirdly enough, not how I've ever, like, how I would describe you. But it's obviously feedback that you get in some form. Where does that come from? What sort of feedback do you get? Like, how do people relate to you? It's, you know what, and and it's the Big Brother tag as well. You know what, I've never been afraid of that because Big Brother was the, it gave me an opportunity to get where I was. So I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, I know I'm not intellectually not the smartest bloke out there. I know I've got to work on my vernacular and my vocabulary and all of that kind of stuff. You know what I Two mean? Two pretty good words there, though. Yeah, well, well, I mean, know, you've, you've <laughs> nailed, used that before. You've nailed both of those. <laughs> it's an impressive hand of Scrabble you've just played there using a V in both of them. <laughs> but I think it's that rawness that I don't know. I, look, for me, I, that's the only thing that I think where people can relate to me. And if that works, I, I'm happy to do it. You know what I mean? I, I think the, the thing that people respond to is honesty. I mean, it's also the thing that people respond to negatively. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the truth of it is that, like, you know, I I am very aware of the fact. There's even people listening to this podcast. Like, I get feedback about people who listen to my podcast, which is called Philosophy with Will Anderson, who who like the pod, who like the podcast <laughs> and don't like me. You know, like even on my own podcast. There's going to be people who are annoyed by certain things that I do or certain ways that I approach it or whatever. Yes. Right. So all you can do is do it the way that – try to be legitimate and say, well, this is me trying to do it my way. Exactly. Right? And I think that if you do that, that's what people respond to. And if you, people tried to yeah. bung on, often you'll find people, they get transported into do Sydney Breakfast Radio. Yeah. And they're like, our key demographic is the western suburbs of Sydney. Yeah. Please mention, you know, Blacktown three times an hour or whatever. That's right. But I see, you know, I think that's – 
You know, and we talk about uh, Kyle Sanderlands is a prime example and the success. He's just, even though you may disagree with some of the stuff he does. All the stuff he does. It, it, well, exactly. But he doesn't give a fuck, Will. That's the thing. And that's what I think people from that, that's what they respect, that he just goes on there. And you know what? He may be that auth. He might. He may just be a bit sort of. I don't want to fucking listen to the bosses, and I do it my way. But that's what people fucking seem to be drawn to, mate. If it, the the truth of all this sort of stuff is that all you can ask of someone in any relationship, yeah. and I think that it's something a lesson that we don't learn often. We have fallings out with people, yeah, because we. In fact, even not even falling out, we often probably have friendships, if I, if I want to think about this on a deeper level, with people where I'm pretending to be someone else. Yes. And they're also pretending exactly. to be someone else. To, so to I'm like, you. hey, I'm friends with, like, so just use the example if it was you and I. Yes. I, I'd be like, hey, I'm friends with Fitzy. But if I really thought about it, because we only run into each other now and again in this certain situation, yep. that's me pretending to be a different person that's that right. day. And that's probably him pretending to be a different person. So so it turns out the pretend versions of us are friends with each other, but who knows if the real versions of us have anything in fucking common? Like you know, and exactly. and often I find that with you, like oh yeah, the, you'll find it with like the work me and you might have a problem with each other, but the real life me and you don't necessarily have that same problem or whatever. Not at all, and. Mate, well, we love getting you on the show, but I, I love more than fucking having a beer with you. You know what I mean? We talk footy. We talk about careers. You know, I, I always try to get advice off you and stuff like that. And that's, I think that's what we're lucky with this industry. There's a lot of egos, and I think you agree with that as well, Will. But there's, you know, what I also love, there's a really good bunch of people that you can just feed off. And you're, mate, you're a prime example. The, the, the worst thing is that, I, I mean, I do believe there's a lot of egos. But at the same time, I often, I have to be checked on my own bullshit about that as well. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I can be that guy too easily. Yeah, no. And I, I, I was talking to Amy about this and I was saying to her, I was, I was talking about the Logies, yes. right? Yeah. And I like, I hate the fucking Logies. I've always hated the Logies. Well, that controversial year at the Logies. So, quick story, most people probably know this, but quick story, quick, like this is the, in the nutshell, this is the story. Yes. Always hated the Logies even before I worked in yep. television. Yep. I always thought they were just a terrible, I always thought Australian entertainment had a lot to be proud of, yep. but the Logies was, it was like you had this really great industry and then they had this fucking awards <laughs> night and they just gave like the pot plant a fucking award and like, and, like that's, this is not the representation and of it. And then you right? just get the Madden brothers to perform and everything's it, okay. Oh, they'd get some shitty American celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a guy who's the fourth lead on CSI. Great. <laughs> fucking well done, Australia. High fives, everyone. We should be so proud. So I always hated it. Then I got nominated for the top award a couple of times yeah. and so I was convinced... Here's, here's the thing. Yeah. Most of the time, I just tr trust my gut. Yes. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I just kind of trust my gut and I try to make decisions that I think are good. That's right. So I'd never gone to the Logies. I'd actually been nominated before, but I never went. Yep. But I got nominated for the top award yep. and I got some pressure from people at work. To go along. To go along. And I went and did something that I w did not want to do. And knowing myself as yep. I know myself now, that's the worst circumstance don't throw me don't put no. me in that situation no, 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 no. because you here's know what's what i'm going to do yeah that's right i'm going to burn the fucking place what, down can i uh, what was the what was the outcome out of that from the abc ah oh, nothing i mean were they was, pretty good or did they blow up 
Well, uh, there was a little bit of blow up. Yeah. Because... But that's a personal thing. You're not representing... Oh, I suppose you are representing... No, no, no. Well, okay. Well, here's the thing. What happened? So, basically, for those that don't know the story, I went to the... It was when Twitter was just pretty new. Yes. Like, I had 10,000 followers. So yep. I've got, like, over 400,000 now, right? Yeah. So, this is early, early days of Twitter, Very early. right? And... Before anyone had been snarky live tweeting things and stuff like that, mm. I'm up for this major award. So I've gone to the thing and live tweeted like, and it was snarky. Can you can you give us the which one when you look back? Which was the most? What was the one tweet that you probably looked back and went, "Oh, that was a bit full on." Uh, what was the biggest one. There was there was a couple of mean spirited ones yeah. about uh, Gretel Clean, who was the host, yes, who who was doing a terrible job, yeah, but who I know, yes, and you know what. In retrospect, yep. if I had my time over, I, I would have walked past the opportunity for a cheap joke. Yeah, got you. Because I would have gone, you know what? Yeah. I yep. don't need to. You don't need to. I don't need to. Gretel. She's my mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or exactly. she was my mate. Yeah. Like, that, I, you know, <laughs> I don't feel like that relationship will ever repair. <laughs> no. But, like, I, I, in retrospect, yeah. I would have. But I, but here's the thing you've also got to remember. I was 20 to 10,000 people. Yeah, that's right. I didn't know at the time that this was going to become a front page news story. Exactly. I did not know at the time that this was going to be like, that I literally thought to, it was like million, in jokes of to people. some dickheads who followed me on this new thing. That's right. I didn't understand that this was going to be, yes. yep. right? Yeah. Not much of a defense, Yeah, but and that's, that's honestly what it was. And so it blew up. Yeah. And, uh, it was very entertaining. But my favorite one, my, I, I, they're all still on my Twitter feed. If yep. people want to read them, I never took anything down. Like, Still there. They're all my jokes. Yeah. And I'm not actually apologetic about any no. of the jokes. No. People got mad, like, because they don't understand jokes. No, no, no. It, well, exactly. And like, it's... Molly Meldrum, who's a very popular Australian entertainer, who I love. Yeah. Like, I used to have him on my old show, The Glass House, all the time. Like, he got up on stage and made a joke. <laughs> He's basically like, you know, that he, that he wasn't drinking because Molly is famous for being like a, like a, a party head yeah. and like a, you know, whatever. And like... And so he's, he's got up there and like made a joke about that thing. Yes. And so I tweeted something like, uh, Molly said he's not drinking, like the pills must be strong tonight or whatever. Like not even like, whatever. <laughs> like this, it's essentially the same joke he's making. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, That's right. And of a guy that I am yeah. clearly on the record being... Taking the piss. Friend, but also we've been worked on a show together. Yeah. We're publicly yeah. friendly. Yeah. And they beat that up like I was saying, that, like something that, you know... That's like, right. Um, but the one that I loved, that I still love, was because um, I said... Because uh, John Mayer was the entertainment. That's right. And I, I, my joke was... Because uh, it was just after he'd done that, like, you know, Playboy interview where he talked about all the girls he'd had sex yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, I'm in the front row for John Mayer. Oops, I now have herpes. <laughs> That's and, right. And they got... I remember now. They got really upset. And uh, they got really upset at it. And they... Because um, they were like, Will Anderson said John Mayer has herpes, herpes, which is not the joke at all. The joke is about the fact that he's like a notorious fucking slut who's just been in trouble for that. And I'm making a comment on that because I'm close to him. Like, it's a good joke, right? Yeah. So anyway... They rang me like for a quote on this, yep. and I used to talk about this in my show. But uh, they rang me for a quote, and they said, uh, "Why did you say that John May had herpes?" Had herpes? Mm -hmm. And I said, which is still my finest ever comic moment, I said because I was drunk and I could not spell syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All gonorrhea. So, my point is that I was bitching and moaning the other night about the, the Logies, yes. right? But the truth of it is yeah. that I don't really give a shit. No. I honestly don't. If those people want to get together and have a good time that night, yeah. and this is what I started talking to, to Amy about, I said, oh, I just, I don't, she goes, would you ever want to go again? And I was like, I just don't want to. I was like, and then I was like, I mean, I said, it'd be good to catch up with like Lemo and yeah. oh, Charlie was there. And I guess that, yeah, Hallie yeah. was there. And, yeah. then I, and then I started listing off like 15 people. And she just said to me, she goes, sounds like you would have had a great night. <laughs> That's the so, all your friends were at a great party. That's the whole room. And there, there was a part of me in that moment that was like, check yourself. Yes. Like check, like you're yes. not, you're not that twenty five year old like kid who's anti everything. Yeah, got now, you. these people are your friends. No. And even though you don't care about their fucking meaningless yeah. trophies, yeah. Who gives a shit if they want to have a good night out? Yeah. Who cares? Well, you, you're probably more of a. A bigger man if you make that decision and to go back with. But also, everything's made up, mate. Yes. Like, literally everything we do as human beings is made up. Yeah. Well, it's that little cog coming back to that large machine again, isn't it? Yeah, it's all part of this. It's all part of it. Yeah. But if you actually take a moment to think, why do we work? Or why do I do this? Or why do I think this is important? Mm. None of it's really... Whatever you think is important is important. But that's right. That's so if the you most think that is Im- like uh, an important thing, yeah, then who am I to shit on that? Well, that's right. And that you know, that, that comes back to the whole thing with you know, we talk about that tag of being a bogan and the big brother guy, but I've embraced it. You know what I mean? Like I've been lucky to have a career to where I am now and and doing Sydney Breakfast, which is one of the biggest, you know shows in Australia to do Sydney Breakfast. To get that opportunity, first of all, I was like, fuck. And now to be doing it for the last four years has been unbelievable. Self-deprecating is another big one as well, you know what I mean? Tell me a little bit about that because when you're doing a big show like a Sydney Breakfast radio show, yeah. my experience of those worlds, even though I've never really been in that exact same situation, but I've seen enough of it, yeah. uh, is that you are constantly getting feedback about what you're doing well. And what I don't, there's rare creative industries where at the end of every show, they might s- make you sit back and listen to things and review things. Yeah. Now, they say that professional sports people do quite well in those environments yep. because they're used to that structure of having to review your play Coach. and get feedback constantly about your performances in a way that, say, someone like myself yep. is like, who the fuck are you, <laughs> monkey who works at this radio station, <laughs> exactly. to tell the great genius William James Anderson <laughs> well, what, what, that his comedy <laughs> sketch was 45 seconds? Who was the monkey to... at Triple M? What was the, what was the monkey oh, yeah, that picked the music? Barry, Barry the monkey. Barry the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I said... On my level of respect, I'll take feedback from Barry the fucking monkey before I do from you. <laughs> no, you do. Uh, well, that's a really, really good point. I think having that sporting background, commercial radio, um, mate, you know what? You do get told that there's certain things. I mean, we t- we're in breakfast, you know, so we've got to be very, very cautious about who we target. There's mums in the car with kids, and I totally understand that. There's certain things that – there's a lot of things that we get knocked back on commercial radio, which – pisses me off sometimes you've got to have a thick skin but it's a fucking great job I've, I, I love it it's a great opportunity to be you know we, we've got the highest cum we've got the highest amount of people in any radio station in Australia that listen to us whether they stick around that's another thing but at least they're there listening to us and that's a good thing to know okay tell me this uh, 
Have you always been a person who's been okay at getting feedback, like assessing feedback? How do you react to that's feedback? A good, that's a really good question because you know what? I don't think I am. And the older that I get, Will, I don't know if you're the same as me, but I fucking really do think that I find it hard sometimes to take feedback. Fucking good idea. Anderson's just gone to the fridge to get some more beers, which did, is a yeah. great I was, idea. I was going to try to do it subtly, but, <laughs> but now I'm That was I, the pause. Actually, I'll just pause it. I'll go to the bathroom while I'm up. Yeah, good idea. Um, yeah. Uh, feedback. Let's talk about feedback. Because, um, yeah, it's interesting to me because you work in a world where you're, gonna, you're getting constant feedback at the moment. Uh, before that, you were... Uh, you know, a professional sports person. Well, in, in between you did Big Brother. We'll get to, I think we'll get to that as well. But let's, I, I like this area of feedback and how you process feedback and how you react to feedback. Yeah. Um, coaching football-wise, I had Rodney Ede at Sydney Swans who was a very, very full-on coach who was a... Rocket, Rocket, Rocket Rodney Ede. Rocket was a bit of a prick. but Coached you know, at the Bulldogs for a while. Well, he did too. Yes. Um, but so, you know, his, his coaching style was to be... He was very forthright, you know what I mean? If you did something wrong, he'd stop training and just scream at you in front of everyone. His nickname for me was Plasticine. He said, I was that dumb I would have failed Plasticine at kindergarten. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good, that's so, a pretty good nickname. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Troy Luff's nickname was Coat, cunt of a thing. <laughs> so, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little story that you might enjoy. So uh, the first year that Rocket got the gig uh, coaching the Bulldogs, I was actually doing their grand final breakfast or grand final Friday, I think it was, the yep. day before the grand final. And uh, so it was his first gig as the new coach. Yep. You know, he'd just been announced as a new coach. And so he's got there a bit late. Yes. So I'm on stage, I'm doing my little spiel and then I'm going to introduce him in a little bit but someone else I think went up first. So basically I've got up stage, I go to the front table where he's also sitting. We haven't had a chance to say day, and someone's talking on stage so he has to talk to me in quite a low voice. So he does that thing you do to get intimacy with someone in that situation uh, which is he leans in closer and he puts his hand on my knee just like in a sort of like, you know, coachy sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. But then... Because, like, you know, we keep talking. Yeah. He doesn't remove his hand from my knee. So we end up talking for what must only be probably seven minutes, but feels like 30 minutes. Because there's a certain point, yeah. and I'm very comfortable with another man touching me, mm. but I've just never met this man. No. And it's just, there's a point yeah. where it went from being completely fine yeah. to being weird. <laughs> and just, I could not yeah. listen to a thing that he was whispering because all I could think was, when is he going to take his. And, like, and again, not homophobically, he could have put it back on if he wanted. Yeah. But. He's, Just take it off for a second. <laughs> he, he's a very intense man, Rodney Ede, to the point where he'd be right in front of your face, like two centimetres from your face, just screaming at you. But uh, you know what? A lot of uh, Some players would react well to that and go, you know what, yeah. fuck you, I'm going to stick it up here. I need someone to... To me, I sort of went into my shell a bit and lost a bit of confidence. I, look, um, you know, Nova as well as we, we get coached as well. I've been doing, I think... You're, that's a really interesting question about feedback because I don't know, I, I, I feel like I've been a bit of a prick lately because I've been in the industry for 11 years, Will. I find it harder now to take feedback from when I first started radio. Because I do, well, I have that mentality you know of, doing? you know, I've been fucking doing this for 11 years now. You know, like yeah. Husey and Kate never did a fucking air check for the last five, six years of their career. Merrick and Rosso never did a fucking air check for yeah. their last five, six years of their career. 
and then I have to do it now. Um, I feel like I can be a bit of a prick sometimes because I'm sitting there going, oh, fuck, I have to deal with this. But I've got to, you know, it's a, it's been a big thing for me at the moment to really focus on taking that feedback and, and working on it positively. <laughs> uh, do you read, uh, do they send you like emails and tweets and fan mail and that sort of stuff? Do you read positive and negative stuff from like fans? Um, I do. Look, social media is a big one for that now. I'm only on Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I'm on Instagram as well. Twitter, Twitter can be full on. And, you know, there's been moments in my career that, um, that people have really got their backs up about. You know, I've had a feud with Nick Giannopoulos for years about an interview that he did in Adelaide where I thought he was a bit of a prick. And I've had a couple of goes at him at a couple of times. And, you know, his fans jump on board and they go hard. Some, and I'd be lying to say that it doesn't get to you, you know what I mean? But it's, if you give it more oxygen, it keeps going. you just got to forget about it. I think also you've got to um, process, I think, a little bit in your life why you're doing something. Yes. So I think that like – because feedback is something that I think about quite a lot. And because I – again, I'm very public and Who people – Who gives can, you feedback? So that's an interesting thing. That is. And – in different places, different people. Yep. So, like, when, you know, when I'm working on, like, say, Gruen or whatever, there's a bunch of different people, John Casimir in particular, but, like, a bunch of different people that I kind of rely on for feedback. Like, in really simple things, yep. the director um, is a guy that I just trust implicitly. Yep. And, you know, I'm, like, I'm always, like, because I don't like to watch the show back, but, you know. But it, can I ask you a question, Will? Go. Here's yeah. a prime example. Okay, you have respect for that man. I f- this is what I find it hard when I have to listen for people that try to give me feedback about comedy where I don't think they have the background. Now, you've worked in commercial radio before. You would have had people that worked at radio stations who don't have any any background or any experience in comedy, but they're telling you to approach different content and different raves different ways. Do you I, find that hard? Okay, so I think here's what ha- tends to happen is that I've never really been in that situation. Mm. And for whatever, for good or for evil, and we were only there for a short period of time, so maybe it, you know, it didn't work yes. out. Yeah. But when I was at Triple M, one of the things that I always say in their great you know, defense or yeah. whatever was, we made the exact show yeah. that I wanted to make every day. Exactly. Now, whether that was because they were kind of like scared of me, which is not what they should have been in no. any way yeah. but you know like I mean but it's your show but it's my it's show your name to and it. they let me make it my way yep. and it didn't really work <laughs> <laughs> but like I love that show yeah. like that's the thing when I always think about that show is like for a year and a half they gave me all this finance and opportunity yep. to make this thing that I dug every single day so I'm, I'm actually very grateful when I think but about see, it but here's a prime example get this with Tony Martin and Ed Cavalier that show it didn't rate well but it was it had a cult following like I podcast that show every fucking day well that was that it. was why I went to Triple M because yeah. that show was there at the time yeah. and I was like well I want to be at the station that's making you know a show that good mm. uh, how about working with Oh, so now this is the thing I was going to say and then I'll move on to this, yeah. which is about the idea of processing, you know, feedback from people. Yeah. And even from fans because at the end of the day, the, the, you know, if the fans don't like your show, like one of my favourite things, you know, when, when I've just done a tour like this is I'll get an, if I get an email or something from someone who's like, hey, I come every year yeah. and I like this year the best. Yeah. To me, that's like if, I, if, if I'm that's getting – That's your premiership. If I'm getting yeah. that – 
Yeah. That's exactly where I need to be and that's exactly the sort of feedback yep. I want. Now, if I'm getting other sort of feedback, I I think I'm just trying to get into a place where I'm like, okay. Say, for example... Oh, ne- I, let's talk about negative feedback. I'll give you... Yeah, okay, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Uh, I want to find something that Andrew Bolt's written about me. Okay. And I, I, I've never read it. Yes. But I heard about it because right. people tell you when somebody's had a real go at you about something, yes. right? But for a piece that I'm writing... I need to go and read this piece. Okay. And I need to but I know that if I read it and I read the comments it's underneath get you back up. it's gonna be like a lot of terrible people saying terrible things yes. about me, right? Yes. yes. So I have to process that thought yeah. and then find a point in my day and my life and my calendar mm. where I am going into that going, this is what is about to happen. Yeah, yeah. And you are ready for this and you have chosen to do this and there is a point you can do that. Yeah. And in that moment, I can process that information and walk, and I will be able to walk away from that and go, yeah. Yeah. well, of course all those dickheads don't like me. Exactly. So, I mean, of course they don't. That's right. I wouldn't like them at my show. No, they no, wouldn't no, understand no, the no, jokes because right. <laughs> the jokes are about them. <laughs> so, yeah, you can understand that feedback. It is it, Getting negative feedback is fucking hard for anyone. You know what I mean? Like it's... But also, what I, what I, also, I have a problem yeah, with on. is what I have a problem with is I don't know I don't know like a football coach an AFL football coach I can understand because they are the best of the best I don't know just sometimes in radio industry I just think that you think to yourself is this person giving me advice on how I should tackle a break is are they the right person to be doing it well yeah so it's the example of like if that person was Tony Martin or Mick Malloy or something you know, no the, way they the former to champion who's yeah but like no but what you need in radio is you need it like the footy yeah so basically you know the guy who's giving you a device yeah is the former champion exactly right you know yeah. it's like that's right it's Merrick yeah like it is yeah he's got yeah. out of the game are you going into coaching yeah I'm going into coaching like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly right right yeah, well Fitz right. and Whipper are going to be good this year they've actually uh, they've got Merrick in but Rosso is working as like the it's the dream team they've got the dream team back together together <laughs> I know. Yeah, it is. It is a tough one. Okay. Uh, secondly, this then uh, you work in a partnership, yep. uh, which is a very difficult, like, well, can be a very difficult thing to because you not only have your home relationship, yes. but you have your on-air professional relationship, and we're in, e- we're in each other's pockets every day. You know, every day we do at the most intimate time of your day, and yep. expected to share like levels of intimacy with not only them but with like also an audience. Exactly. So, how does that work? Well, it's you know what it's. I'm lucky enough. Uh, Will you probably agree? In radio, it's fucking hard to find someone that you just click with on radio. I you agree. know what I mean? And you, uh, the prime example was, you know, they. Uh, there's you probably haven't told people this, but I bet you Triple M would have tried to get you five different people before you just went. No fuck, I want to do it with a mate, and I want to do it with Limo. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, and I know that story. You know, and that's why you feel comfortable. It's hard to find someone. On radio, where you're always like someone who makes you laugh. That's that's the big thing. Whipper does. Like I just, we're so comfortable when we go on air. And you know what? We're in each other's hair all the time. There might be moments where off air we might be having a bit of a blue. It's not a big one, but as soon as we go on air, we make each other laugh. And and I've, that's what I fucking love about him, mate. He's just a lad, 
and he really is the one of the best storytellers I've ever heard, and he makes me laugh. What does he bring to the relationship, and what do you bring to it? M- mate, do you he, think he like? I think the the biggest thing for our show is our banter. We, we're never afraid to give each other shit. You know, and I think our listeners love that. You know what I mean? I get stuck into him for being the, the podgy, you know, fat guy all the time, and he gets stuck into me for having a failed football career and being on Big Brother. But you know, we can laugh at that. I don't take it seriously. It's really interesting, isn't it? Like uh, that. I was uh, one of the shows that I enjoy, and this is what yeah, because people are complex. Mm. We all like different things. But we were talking about like me keeping up with the football with footy podcast. One of the ones I love is a show called The Rub on Triple M. Yes. And it's a group of like ex-footballers. There's uh, Gary Lyon. There's uh, Danny Frawley. Yes. Um, Jason Dunstall. Yep. Uh, sometimes they have Luke Darcy. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, so... But it's bullying. Yes, it's two hours <laughs> of bullying. <laughs> like you, can, if you Dunstall, if you took out the laughter and you you played it as like a, to children as an example of terrible, terrible bullying. It's just they turn on one and then the other, and it's just like two hours of bullying. It's but it is against Frawley, Gary Lyons against everyone, and they just go hard. But but people love it. They love it. It's fun because you know their mates and you know they're yeah. all just shitting on each other. And that there is something, I think, very Australian about that. Exactly. I think if you were doing that in an American like uh, radio studio, it would get nasty yep. very quickly. Yeah, right. You know? See, that's really interesting. They've got a totally different perception with comedy in that respect, You're getting stuck into it. They, they can't really take a joke in that respect, can they? It's, well, I think that, that it's an Australian yes. trait. Yeah. To like really, you know, like, I mean, we are anti-authoritarian. Yes. And my very like uh, shorthand theory on that is that, well, I mean, we're a penal colony. Yeah. Of course we're anti-authoritarian. Mm. Most of the people who came here came here either as like prisoners, people who instinctively yep. have a suspicion of authority or as like free settlers who are escaping to a place where there was heaps of prisoners. Like, I mean, of course we're anti-authoritarian. Yeah. And it's always been the Australian way to, you know, exactly. to be anti-authoritarian. That's right. right. So, okay. Uh, I want to ask you about... Uh, how you guys, I guess, maintain when you have a conflict? Like, is there a resolution process that you go through? Like, do you know enough about, like, you know, Whipper to be like, okay, uh, this morning he's tired or this morning he's shitty or this morning he's, like, you know, it's this time, like, so I treat him this way or I need to, like, you know, approach it in this sort of... Well, definitely. And Breakfast Radio, it it brings out the worst in you. You know, it's... Getting up for me is not bad. When I get into work, you're in la-la land, you do the show, you're pumped, but then it's, you know, lunchtime, you hit a wall. Whipper and I usually hang around till about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which is pretty late for a breakfast show. We're doing a lot of pre-records, writing, recording, editing, doing a lot of stuff for Nova. But you, because you're in each other's hair so much, I love our fucking drive drive show on Nova so much. You've got Timmy Blackwell... Marty Sheargold and Kate Ritchie. Now, Mart, their philosophy is is that they get in late, they email their each other's ideas throughout the day, and they don't know what the full story is. So they're hearing about it for the first time when they go to air. It's fresh. They get a great reaction. I really like that. We're we're sort of the opposite. 
We, with breakfast, we come up with an idea and it's always like, okay, how are we going to tackle this? What can we do? Can we get someone on to, to make that story juicier? Or, you know, can you make, actually do the story yourself and do it outside and all this kind of stuff? Whereas I like the more spontaneous stuff. I think you get a better reaction, you know what I mean, and doing it on the fly. But Whipper and I, we, you know, we do the, get in it. I mean, I, I agree with that. And I think one of the things that you guys are actually very good at, mm. so counterintuitively to what you've said, is that because when I do your show, yep. because it is like we don't have a plan for what we're going to do, yeah. um, the thing that I, you guys are a very good at doing that sort of stuff on the fly. But the th- the second thing is always the funny thing is never the thing you thought was going to be funny. Exactly right. Just start Phil. telling it and see what people where it goes, where it goes, exactly. and what people latch onto. And that's where the story begins. If you latch onto something that comes out of the blue, like you, with like the Johnny Depp thing this morning, and you talking about how the do- Johnny Depp should piss off, and the two dogs, Pistol and oh. Boo, should play Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean for the rest of it. You know what I, I mean? A people couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, put Johnny Depp's clothes on, like he looks like two dogs glued together already. So we get the we get the dogs to play him. They'd but make I more say, since. Mate, people would love that movie. That's a family movie. That is like Pirates so of the Milo. Caribbean meets Milo, Milo and Otis. Exactly. It's Milo and Otis on a boat. It's Milo and Botus. <laughs> that is your movie. I would remake all Johnny Depp's movies <laughs> That's your with movie. the dogs. Exactly right. Edward Scissorhands, but played by the two dogs. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see that? Donnie... Donnie what was it, Donnie Brasco? Ed, Ed, Edward Shih Tzu hands. You could do. Oh, you so could do anything. You know what I mean? Okay, um, we're going to finish up soon-ish, but yep. I, I want to ask you a few more things. So uh, I, I'm going to belt through a couple of these. But okay. the first one is the idea of overcoming setbacks. Yep. So this feels to me like you're a person who's had a few distinct phases of your life. So you leave high school, I imagine, thinking that you're going to pursue professional football. I was never good enough. I was working at Mitsubishi making seats for three years. And then, I, like you said, I matured and started... Uh, my footy career went really quickly. I went from playing local footy at Port Nalunga to South Adelaide to playing for the Sydney Swans. That all happened in three years. Right. So it happened really quickly. But I, you're right. That was the only thing that I thought was I was good at was footy. Right. So talk me through... Um, when it ended it because I, I think i mean you know like that's to me is yeah. an interesting it's full on like it's I, I like i said i footy was just all i ever wanted to do i wanted to play 300 games and have this career and within four years i had 11 operations two shoulder recos i had two, three knee recos groins fingers just everything went wrong and then my career was over I, I just remember sitting in a room with Gary Ayres saying mate we're delisting you and I'm like fuck I had a mortgage I was working behind the bar down at my local football club just to pay I didn't know what to do I remember there was a moment where I said to mum I'm just I had to borrow money and I thought fuck what am I going to do and then it was just this moment of my mate saying why don't you have a crack at this reality show big brother put in an audition tape and then things just you go from that roller coaster down the bottom to going back up the top again. Now, was there any part of you that, like, hesitated? Like, I mean, because I imagine you must have, like, I mean, that's a big setback, you know what I mean? Yeah. And not overnight because you've obviously it's been that you've had a long string of injuries and you've had some time to go. This is not, yeah. but still, it was it was horrible. Will I, I just I wanted. 
You know, there was a moment with my career <clears throat> when I played my first. I mean, I, essentially, I, they've said to you, oh, "Not only can you, uh, not only have we broken you, yeah, yeah, yeah but, exactly. But now, yeah, yeah. you're never going to play again." Yeah. But I joke about this, Will, all the fucking time. I, I do the joke of kicking five goals on debut. But you don't, what you don't understand is that was my whole life. Like to me, that moment, I remember it. My family were in the crowd at Etihad Stadium against St Kilda. We had a good win and I've kicked five goals in my first game. Right. I could have fucking died right there. It was everything. And then for that to go from there to being told you're not going to, your career, I can remember after all those operations, I couldn't run as fast as I could. I couldn't jump as high as I could have. And then they're saying to me, it's over. Mate, it, it was like a fucking knife straight into the heart. It was really full on. How did you deal with that at the time? I, I got on the piss, mate. I, 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 I had a really close group of friends that are still, to me, my closest things in the world. My family's been amazing. I went away. I went to play footy again for South Adelaide. Got a shit job. Couldn't pay my mortgage. Pissed all my AFL money up the wall punting. That was the, mate, that was like, you know, what Darren Creswell at the Swans. I got into this fucking, I was punting all my money out the wall. I didn't have anything. And I thought, what were, what you, betting, what were you betting on? Horses. Tab. We used to go to the tab. It was just, and you for, know, you, was it fun? No. You know, I loved, you know what I loved more about it? The social yeah. side of it. So being down in the pub with your mates, drinking, but then also, right. we'll have we, a bet. The, when we yeah, won the race together, the, right. you know? But it was, it was shocking. I had a problem. My old man was really worried about me. But then I, when I finished AFL... How did you deal with that? I couldn't... Well, I didn't have money anymore, you know? Right. I didn't save anything. I bought a house in Adelaide and I was struggling to pay the mortgage. And I thought, well, I can't punt anymore. And I got off it. And I was really proud about that. And, I, you know, I still have a punt these days every now and then, but fucking hardly ever. I right. don't know the horses anymore. But I just went... What am I going to do? It's then, inter- that is an inter- like it's it's funny, isn't it? Because essentially everyone has the propensity to get off that stop at a different place. Yeah, and the truth, yeah, if you didn't get off there, exactly. who knows what? Then because if you take that next step, it rolls into a whole other terrible, dangerous area, and it can fuck up your life forever. And I can understand how I've people- been aware of that with drugs and all those sort of things over the years. That there's a certain point where you like get off something. Yeah. And so I had like a sports bet account or whatever. In fact, I think when I was at Triple M, they were a sponsor of the show and they set me up like a free five hundred dollar like account, right? And so for like <laughs> and it two was game years. Over. Two years, I like loved it, and I did really well because yeah. I like sports, and like I wasn't a big better. Like I, I it just makes I, it more interesting, right. doesn't it? I have a little bet on the game, the game and stuff, right? But then I, I got it up to maybe just it was only literally yeah. a couple of thousand dollars. It, yeah. Like I wasn't a big better at yeah. all. But Australia was playing New Zealand in the Rugby League World Cup final, yeah. and I was like, "Well, the odds weren't great, but Australia was a fucking dominant team." And I was like, "Yeah, it was like a dollar fifteen or whatever." Yeah. But I was like, "Well, I've got a good amount of money, and I'm going to fucking just like top this up." And I put it all. I remember this like game, and that was it. Shut, shut the account down. It was, like, it was all. <laughs> but that is that's but, the but that was betting. that was me being that person where. Yep. I was like, oh, well, that's fine. I had some yeah. free money. I played with it for a while and then it went away and I was like, I had no interest in putting any of my own in. Yeah. But people get off that thing at a different place. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it, it Okay, was. well, I, I, I don't mean to rush that thought, but I've got a couple of things I really want to get to and we're on limited time. So um, you have that setback. You go on this TV show, Big Brother. Yep. 
did you have a strategy or any thought before you went on the show about how you would approach it? I was actually good mates with a guy who won the first series, Ben Williams. Uh-huh. Um, his cousin was Stephen Carey, who played at the Sydney Swans, and I was good mates with Steph. So he sort of went in there and he played. He just basically said, what you've got to do is try to pick who you think's going to win it from the start, who Australia's going to love and become best mates with them and become close to them. He said, don't try to hook up with anyone, just play it safe and all this kind of stuff. So I went in there. That was the year where they fucking announced it was a, a million dollars up for grabs. Right. But it still didn't hit me. I always, in the back of my mind, thought, I'm an AFL footballer, so Australia's not going to vote for a guy that had a pretty good life right. and got paid well. So I said to myself, I could never win it. But I, there was a guy that I got along with, with really well in Big Brother, and that was Trevor, who went on to win it. So I picked him... And I, he was probably my best mate in the house, but I thought, I'm going to target, stick with him. This is a funny story, Will. I haven't told many people, but I got down to the final four, and that last week before it was announced, there was a moment in the pool, and I thought he was going to win it. All he did was, you know, he sold furniture, he's got a wife, he was going to propose to her on the final night. And I thought, there was a moment in the pool where there was hardly any microphones, and I grabbed him, and I pulled him aside in this area where you couldn't hear. And I said, Trev, come on over, look here. I, I can see some rats inside the pool. So he came over and I said to him, I said, mate, I said, if we, if, if we both go down to the final two, let's split this, right? So whoever wins it gives the other person 100 grand. The other person wins and they keep 900 grand. And I just sort of whispered it to him and he said, let me think about it. And he never got back to me. I was, trying, I, was, I, was, I was trying to quiz him. I was trying to quiz him on it and just go, come on, Trev. Trev, what do you think? And he's like, I think he knew that he was right. going to win it. And he was like, he must, I'm not fucking giving you 100 grand. He must have gone back to his bed and slept well that yeah, night. He's like, yeah, he's like, then I got booted even, out the next night yeah, and he won a million bucks. That, uh, I got this one. All right, so that happens. Yes, Again, this idea of feedback comes back, which is like when you're in a house like that in a very public way, people are having opinions about you. So you come out of the house. What's that like? That was that was I'm, because as an AFL player, yeah. While you'd had like a nice debut and everything, you were reasonably anonymous. Yes, like because you were in a non-football, yeah, traditional football city. Exactly. This is a whole different level, right? I imagine it was un. Believable. It was. I knew it was a big show, but yeah, I didn't realise how big it was until you got out. And it, basically, what I did for the next six months is, I went on a, I just travelled all around Australia, and I would just go to pubs. You'd rock up to a pub and get on the piss with the patrons, right? And, and you were like, and the... you get paid fifteen hundred bucks for half an hour. It was unbelievable. Like it was just, and my manager was, and you know, my family's going, you just got to do it. Do it as much as you can until it stops right. and then it's over. Because it'll stop. It'll stop without a doubt. So you and might I, as well just... I just basically mate, rocked up. Hot, I think hot dogs got, <laughs> hot dogs got two blowjobs in the one alleyway in, in cans. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. So I did that and I always wanted to get into media. I never counted fucking all my... Card. I never put all my cards down getting a job in the media, but I wanted to. And being in Adelaide and being an Adelaide boy helped because it's a smaller market. And I was just lucky enough to get a job with Nova. So you, you go into that environment, into Nova, into a place where you're suddenly, not only are you like a rookie going to a football club, but you're a rookie going into a place where, you know, yep. 
No idea. You'd, yeah. So I, I, what's that process like? Was there someone there who was helpful to you? Was there any mentors? Was people what you know? What feedback did you get? Do you know there? I learn off Will, and I mate, I still I'm very thankful to these guys: Tony Moclair, Julian Schiller. Oh yeah, great guys. Great guys. Um, Jody J Hill was also on the show, but those guys taught me about writing, comedy, timing, writing, and I was just I was fascinated by those guys i used to watch what they did every day for me it was just it was the only thing in my life apart from footy that i was just i was addicted to everything i did two weeks work experience with merrick and rosso and i remember just going fuck i was just watching everything that they did and i just loved it and i i started out as a sports reporter on nova and three weeks later they said we want you on the on the breakfast show and it was mate i just love it i fucking love it so what is it about it what what is it about it that you get joy from i look it's hit and miss but i know people there's you know my humor is it might not be everyone's flavor nobody's humor is everybody's flavor you're exactly right but i love that feeling will i can't do what you do the the stand by the way the just that point like which is very personal to me but like let's stop Getting angry at things yep. for not, but like for not achieving a standard that is impossible. Exactly. Let's just remember when it comes to comedy yep. that there is no comedy in the world that everybody likes. So of course there is a possibility yes. that every time someone performs comedy that you may not enjoy that comedy well, who's the because lit- in the world at the moment Louis C.K. Yeah, let's say Louis and for exa- how many for the example. People would hate Louis C.K. More than like him. Oh. It's it's unbelievable. There is You're no so comedian right. ever that has had more people like them yep. than not know them or exactly. dislike them. Never. Yeah. So it's why do we then suddenly be surprised yeah. that some like why is someone so outraged that they don't find you hilarious or me yeah. hilarious? Of course, that's. But it's you know I it's that moment. I've where... been eating everything in my apartment, and the food tastes better than the plants. Yeah, because that's food and they're plants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's your opinion, right? But it is. It's that moment, Will, that you probably get up on stage as well. Is that you know if you do deliver something or it makes people laugh, it's addictive. I love that moment. For me, that's like kicking a goal from the boundary line. You know. Uh, talk to me about your family. Talk to me about. Uh, did you always think that you would be a person who had like uh, a wife and children and stuff like that? Mate, I always loved that that whole fairy tale of falling in love and um, in you know what I've my my wife is supportive wise. She's just unbelievable. Um, she's my best mate. We've been through quite a lot. We lost a kid and stuff like that, and I think that brought us closer. But she's. She's supported my whole career, which has been amazing. Two boys. I've got little Huey, who's five, and, and Lenny, who's two. And they're just meat axes, you know. They're like little me's, which is just really... Every day you, you wake up and you watch these boys and it's just... It's a spin-out to watch that these two kids have got the same mannerisms as you and they, they do the same things as you. I, I absolutely love it. You know, having a family has, has changed my life. Uh what do you have an approach to parenthood? Do you have like a parenting philosophy? I, you know what, my, like I said before, I've learned so much from my, my parents, and there's things that I will not do with my kids. Um, I haven't, I haven't slapped my kids or belted my kids or anything like that, and I don't want to do that. Um, you know, I, I'm the 
authoritative in the in the relationship so i'm the one who raises their voice but my, my boys are really well behaved you know I, i'm big on manners i'm big on etiquette and i'll keep drumming it into the boys until they get it right and sometimes they can get a bit pissed off with me but you know i think in the long run it's, it's little things like that in life get you they, they make you go a long way uh what are your biggest fears about being a parent um that's a really good question will um I just, you know, these days, I've had a pretty fruitful life. Mm-hmm. I've got a good set of mates. We've gone pretty hard, you know what I mean? I'm weary about Generation Y these days and even this new generation where, you know, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of peer pressure and a lot of things can happen. I don't want to fail my kids in that way. I don't want them to go down the wrong path. That scares the hell out of me. It must scare the hell out of... Every generation, I yep. guess. Because, oh yeah, and I mean, we don't need to get bogged down in the details of this. But, yeah. I mean, but, you know, people know yeah. at least part of my history because I've talked about it on, you know, in various you know, d- degrees. But that's something that I would think about as well. It's like, it's interesting when you're like, it, the choices that I've happily made myself yes. and proudly stand by, Yes, would I want my child... <laughs> Well, well, so how do you reconcile that idea? Well, That's yeah. an interesting because the truth of it is that I would tell my friends, yes, like someone else that I loved, say my friend, I'm like, oh, you've got to try this thing or yeah. do this thing or yeah. have this experience or whatever. Yeah. But I, but if that was my child, I'd be like, oh, don't do that. Yeah, well, don't do that. You might I, get hurt. I think the first thing that you have to admit to yourself is that your kids are going to have that temptation in front of right. them, without a doubt. It's whether, like you did, Will, but you know what I mean? Like you made those choices, but it's not like you made the wrong choices. You know what I mean? Right. You, you're always in control. It really scares the shit out of me these days to see some kids who can really deteriorate really quick if they go down that wrong path. Right. They're part of the wrong crowd. I don't want my boys... I, I know that they're going to be tempted. You know what? They're probably going to make a decision, a bad decision in their life. We all fucking have to, to learn from our mistakes. I just don't want them to see to go, to keep going down that road. And I'll do everything to stop that. All right, we have to wrap this up, but I want to ask you uh, just briefly about a couple of like big issues. You don't have to have a, like a big opinion about those things, but I just like to ask. Yeah. Uh, do you have any sort of like spiritual or religious sort of belief? Um. My mother was Lutheran. We went to Sunday school when we were kids, when we were up um, on mum's farm. But not really. I believe that there's a God out there, um, which, you know what, I think gives me hope in a way. And uh-huh. if there's something in my life that um, I really want, it's, it's funny. I think I'm one of those religious people that I only use God when I need him. Right. But for me, I, I'm not, it's not like I'm an atheist or anything like that, Will. I, I, I believe that there is a God. I love my mother and I... To keep her happy, that's sort of my religious life. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, again, I I think that we have much more of an aware... If we are willing to have much more of awareness of why we do things... Yes. Like, you know, people can say, yeah. you know what, I do this because I have some sense that there's something other than what we are. Exactly. And I don't spend a lot of my life thinking about the, what the specifics of that are. Yeah. But, you know, my mum or my nan or my whatever yeah. thinks this is important. Yeah. So I go to church at Christmas. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, fine. You but seem to, like a nice person. But so, you know what, one of my best mates, Will, who's just made the decision to become a Jehovah Witness... You know right? what I mean? And he's cha- and it's changed his life. And you know what? I, I support him 100%. Yeah. Okay. So then answer me this. 
Uh, do you worry about what happens when you die? Do you think about what happens when you die? Do you have any sense of what you think happens when you die? I think the big thing is one of the reasons why I do believe in a God is because I, I want there to be a heaven and I want to go up there. You know, I'd look, I don't, you know, I, uh, is it, I don't know what is up there, but I don't know. It's, I, I don't know. I think it's something that makes you feel comfortable within your own life that I don't know that there's something to look forward to when it's when it comes to death right because i mean there's no harm in looking forward to something exactly now here's the thing i don't believe there's anything i know (laughs) know. and i know your views but but the truth of it is that i also think the fucking harm is it to someone if they want to well exactly like same net result (laughs) exactly right. right It may be like I'm looking forward to Saturday night because right. we're meeting up for a beer and having a few drinks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who am I That's... to be like? Saturday night is never going to come. <laughs> Don't you dare tell me that you're fucking you're burning me on Saturday night. Okay. So uh, quickly, uh, two more things. Um, tell me this: regrets? Have you got any? Like, I I am mostly of the belief that all the things that make us who we are right now, which is the only person that we can try to be, we're the sum total of all the experiences that we've had, you know. So good and bad, tried not to have regrets. But is there some? Is there anything that – if you could have like one magic one moment, if people could just go, we'll change that one for you. You've done a good job in everything else, but if everyone gets one do-over, what's your do-over? Look, I honestly think – look, I had a lot of injuries with my footy career, but I do honestly think if I – I think I footy my footy career for me my AFL footy career I don't think I took it as seriously as I should have. Interesting. And it finished earlier. Look, uh, you know whether those injuries would have come if I did take it Regardless. seriously, or not, it doesn't yeah. matter. But I think I should have been more professional, and I may have had a longer career. <sighs> That's a tough one. It's a so, tough one. All right, uh, tell me this. Here's an opportunity. Maybe you don't get all the time. Yeah. What's um. What's a misconception about you that in this safe space, yeah. no one's going to think you're a dickhead for saying this. Yeah. I've asked you the question, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but is there a, is, do you think there's a misconception about you that you'd be like, if I could correct that one thing that people think about me, what is that thing that you... Can I think about that and go for a quick... Yeah, of course. We're right near the end. That's a cliffhanger. You, there was a bathroom break, but I did ask you a question that it, like, probably uh, involves a moment of thought, which is, is there a misconception about you that someone or a group of people or whatever have that you would like to correct if you had the opportunity? I think the misconception is that, you know, um, being a footballer, Will, a guy that's gone on Big Brother and now do radio, I'm a, I look, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a loud guy. I'm your basic guy, but I do have that misconception sometimes of being the footballer that that's sometimes I do cop that sort of sexist, the way that I treat women, and that's something that really, really upsets me. I, that's a misconception that really, really gets me riled up because women, are, are, especially in my life, have been so important. And, um, you know, I, I really, for me, it's something that I really, really focus on that I'm always looking after the most important women in my life, my wife, my mother and all that kind of stuff. And when I hear that, that gets me upset. So that's an interesting uh, 
because I did not ask that with that agenda. Yes. Uh, and it, the thought had not even crossed my mind. Yeah. But now that you speak of that, I remember a couple of times where I've read like an article or whatever about something you've done on your show or whatever where people have had that sort of reaction. Yeah. And because I know you... I mean, I actually know you kind of externally to all these things. Yep. Like, I don't know you because you're a footballer and I don't really even know you through, like, I didn't know you through the Big Brother thing and I, not even through through mates. Yep. Like, yep. We, we got to know each other at, like, music festivals exactly. and stuff like that, really. Yes. Yeah. You know, so for, I knew that wasn't true. Yeah. And f- so for me, like, I didn't even, it didn't even really acknowledge, it doesn't even stick for me. Yeah. It doesn't even, but then I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, that is something. And... I've been guilty of that myself about other things. You know, when you have an assumption that some radio show or some television show is something that you would not like or have a problem with because you have an idea of what it is. That's right. And then you listen and you're like, oh, no, these – I think so often in our society we will judge people by – and more broadly than these examples. Somebody says something wrong. Okay, he's a good example. There's a guy called Eddie Maguire. Yep. Uh, who's a, a, like an Australian, uh, like he's the president of the biggest football club in Australia, yep. one of the biggest football clubs in the world. Uh, he's a really successful television and radio host, like one sports reporter, yep. TV producer, like real hmm. mover and shaker, Eddie Maguire. And yep. he, he definitely divides people. Yes. And in the past, like I've certainly like had a real go at Eddie. Yep. And now Eddie and I have worked together. And yep. like the thing I really liked about Eddie was he acknowledged that I'd had a real go at exactly. him and was still like... And to move on from it you know what I mean you can have a grudge for the rest of your life but it's draining right so he said on radio he made a comment about it turned out like people perceived it as being a racist thing yes if you listen to him on that radio show for any period of time whether you like him or not you will know that he like further from the truth mate could not be further yeah yeah, no one has done more work like yeah the comment was terrible yep. and misconceived well, and right. whatever, yep. but was not indicative of what he is like as a person or as a man. Joss Whedon, for example, has been recently ho- ho- uh, on Twitter because they people thought that some of the uh, new Avengers film was yep. misogynist and sexist, right? And people really hounded him about that. And I was like, but look at all his work. Yeah, that's like, right. He's, cl- he's clearly on the right side. Yeah, exactly. Now, you might have a problem with this one particular thing. Yeah. But you also should go, hey, here's a guy who yeah. not- maybe... Do a bit more research. Yeah, right. you're he- right. He's on- if-, if someone's pattern of behavior is indicative who... Like, if they do it regularly, you're exactly right, Will. You- I'm, I'm comfortable to say, for example, for good or for ill, you mentioned Kyle Sandilands, yep. who's a Sydney radio guy, who's very divisive. Like, he's done... 15 things on his show that I find objectionable over the years. So for me, that's a clear case of me going, that's not for me and that is something that I... But if... Like this, if Eddie McGuire does one of those things and never does any of those other things, I'm like, well, maybe that was an aberration. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're exactly right. You've got to give people a chance. Okay, interesting. All right, mate. I I know I've got to let you go. So um, thank you so much for joining the show. People can find you on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, At FitzySA um, and at Fitzy18 on Instagram. But, mate, I really, really appreciate having me on your podcast, man. It's a pleasure. Uh, And uh, they can listen to your radio show if they are – well, they can listen to it probably anywhere these days with apps and all these things. Yeah, Nova 96.9 in Sydney. And we're also 6 to 7, we do our drive show as well. So – yeah, you can go to the website and you can podcast the show there. So thanks, Will. Well, thank you very much, mate. I appreciate you being on.